today and with this sermon series. And so we figured that if you're ever stranded for four days in an RV in the middle of the desert and just happen to have the right amount of Tupperware and sponges and galvanized metal and copper wire, then you can make your own battery so you don't have to be stranded because that is absolutely one of the worst feelings uh, that you can have when you turn your key and, and nothing happens. Probably my favorite uh, dead battery story, and actually it's not really a dead battery story, so there's a little, little bit of twist there, is uh, it actually happened this year when my car broke down when I was two hours away from home. And I had just left my destination, got in my car, thought everything was going to be cool, broke down, pulled over on the side of the, inter the interstate. Uh, my instrument panel just blew up. The car started doing some funky things, losing power and that kind of thing. So I pulled over to the side of the road, turned the car off. I was like, all right, let me give it a break. Because that's what you do like, with stuff. You give it a break for 30 seconds. And so that's what I did. I tried turning it off and turning it on again. Except nothing happened when I turned the key the next time. So I called a buddy of mine who, at this point, he was probably like, 20 minutes away from me, we had left from, from the same place, we were both going home, and I said, hey man, uh, can you come give me a jump? Because I think that's what the issue is, it's, it's the battery. And so he turns around, he drives all the way back, I'm sitting there waiting on him, trying to figure stuff out. I try to turn the car over like five or six more times, nothing happens. So he gets there, he gets there in his mom van, and he backs up, so we look pretty cool on the interstate, you know, working on this car, because we don't know what we're doing. And so he backs up, and he pops open his trunk. He's like, yeah, let me get my jumper cables, because I don't have mine, obviously, in the trunk, like I should. And he apparently doesn't either. So he goes and looks. He has nothing. So we're looking at stuff like, what are we going to do? Like, where's the closest Walmart or whatever store there might be? And we're in the middle of nowhere. We're not familiar with where, with where we are. So we're trying to figure that out. And it's like, all right, we'll hop in my van. We'll go somewhere. And, um, you know, I just want to get home. This is not something I planned for my day. So I said, all right, like, let me just, for kicks and giggles, let me just try to turn the car on one more time. So I get in. I turned the key, and wouldn't you know it, after a couple coughs, the car actually started. So this was amazing. I thought, I thought it, was, you know, you know, it was all about faith. You've got to have faith in your, in your life. Say a little prayer like, you know, come on, this has got to work. And, and it actually started up, and then I felt bad because my friend like, came all this way for no reason. And I said, all right, man, see you later. And so we, we went our way. It turns out it was the alternator, and that was the problem. And so I looked up on YouTube, and I just, hey, how easy is it to change an alternator? And I looked at it, and I thought, oh, I could do that. <clears throat> And I did. See, there's the, there's the twist. I actually did it. And so all that to say, like, pat on the back for me. Uh, I now know how to change the alternator in an 03 Civic. So if, if you need help with that, go to your local mechanic. Um, they'll do a much better job and much quicker than, than I actually, actually did. I don't ever get in my car and turn on the key and wonder if it's going to work. Like, I, I don't... I don't go on a trip, I'm not two hours away from home and wondering, oh, will I actually get back? And I don't plan on breakdown time when I go somewhere. I don't know if any of you do that. I'm always trying to hit my destination at the exact right time. Like if I have a meeting with somebody at 10 o'clock, I'm trying to arrive exactly at 10 o'clock because too early, I think that, you know, I, I don't know, I don't want to do that and I don't want to be there late. Of course, I always, you know, tend to be like a minute or two late because I'm trying to do that. But I'm trying to get there right there at the perfect, perfect time. So I don't put in time uh, for me to, you know, lose a tire or for my alternator to go bad on me randomly or that kind of thing. And while I know how to change my oil and change a tire, maybe switch out some fuses and bulbs and change the alternator in an O3 Civic, uh, there's a significant difference between having a general idea about how a car works and knowing uh, what you need to do 
to fix it when it's not running the way it ought to. And, and that's how we get in places in our life where we're stranded, we're not really sure what to do, we haven't really been paying attention about where we've been going because we don't really need to because we trust that this thing is going to get us to where we need, need to go. And there's nothing more frustrating than when it doesn't work when you really need it to. There's this classic horror uh, movie, maybe you don't watch these, but you've probably seen this horror mo- movie trope where you get in the car, the bad guy's walking slowly to you, you get in the car, you turn the key, and you're, you know, won't start, and you're like, oh no, they're coming, you know, this goes on for like 15 minutes, and they were only 50 feet away from you, and somehow they still haven't reached you before maybe finally the car, uh, you know, fires up. And while I know some general, you know, information about how cars should work, you know, YouTube's not really going to help me in that kind of situation. I need to be uh, a little bit more aware of how those things go so I know what to do in those moments when things break down. And that's kind of the impetus behind this sermon series called Jumpstart uh, for this first sermon series of 2020. I know for all of us, at the start of a new decade uh, for 2020, we're hoping to see things more clearly this year. Is that? No. Okay. You guys hate me now. That's fine. Uh, that's all right. No perfect people allowed. Um, but but that's, that's why we're talking about this sermon series. That's why we're talking about the things that we're going to talk about uh, through the sermon series Jumpstart. There are moments in all of our lives when it will seem, or maybe for you it currently seems this way, where everything um, is, is kind of broken down around you and your faith is just not working the way that you expect it to or that you know that, that, that it should be. Maybe sometimes it's from a slow drifting away. Maybe sometimes it's because we're confronted with a situation or event or even person um, that kind of causes those things to break down around us. But in those moments when we need it the most to kick in or crank up and it doesn't, it may be because while we have a general knowledge about maybe how our faith should be and how it ought to go and we see that in other people, maybe we don't have as good of a working knowledge as maybe we thought to begin with and we've missed bridging the gap between the knowing and doing that comes along with the faith that we're called to in Jesus. Uh, faith doesn't simply happen in the head and the heart. It bears fruit in the practical application within our everyday lives. And that's, that's how it works, and that's how it makes a difference. That's how it's transformative, and it's what allows us to experience the relationship uh, with God that he has always desired with us. Um, don't get me wrong. There can be moments when our faith is firing on all cylinders, and we can deal with some pretty heavy darkness from this sin-broken world. Uh, but even then, the perspective that we have that comes with a faith in practice uh, is always brighter than with a faith that we're not practicing. So over the next five weeks, we're going to highlight five transformative faith practices that we're called to live out as disciples of Jesus. Uh, today, we're talking about Bible applications, so we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, we're, talk- we're going to be talking about relationships, spiritual discipline, ministry, and faithful circumstances, as in being faithful in circumstances. And if you're new to or unfamiliar with being a disciple of Jesus, some of these things may not be things that you recognize or even sound like I, I you know, have any frame of reference for what that is. But that's cool. That's why we're going to talk about them. Uh, for those of you who have been believers for a long time, you're going to recognize these five things as very basic foundational principles of discipleship. But you also know and you recognize two truths that come along with these things. The more that you put these into the practice, the more that you grow in your faith. And the more one or more of these things fall to the wayside, the more that you struggle. We've all had that experience if we've been a part of believing in Jesus for any length of time. There's a quote from an English writer and devout Christian that always comes to mind to me when I think about practicing the basics or the fundamentals. It's from Samuel Johnson, and he wrote, People need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. 
And therein lies the rub between the knowing and the doing. We don't always do the things we know we ought to do. And then we face the consequences of those things down the road. They will leave us feeling broken down. It's true physically, it's true emotionally, but most of all, it's true spiritually. And, and it comes from, and I don't know, maybe I'm just talking about myself, uh, maybe this has just been my experience, but there's a little bit of pride, maybe a little bit of arrogance that we experience with something that we're familiar with over the course of time. We think, oh man, I'm, I'm advanced enough where I don't need some of these basic, you know, fundamental things anymore in, in my life because I know what I need to know and I can kind of move forward in life. Um, and yet somewhere along the way, if that foundation has cracks or we've been neglecting it or we've never built it, it will be exposed in us. And so whether for you it will be growing the roots of faith deeper and stronger or jump-starting some things that have fallen out of use or maybe this is a starting point to something brand new in your life as you're kind of discovering um, and exploring who God is, I'm praying that this, this series is going to have a significant impact, even though it's about basic fundamental things, that it will have a significant impact on this family of believers, because I know that if we allow ourselves to be guided by the Holy Spirit in this areas, it will be transformative for all of us. Um, now, before we jump into Bible application, I, I just want to, you know, talk about even something more basic than, than those five things that, that we must start with. The cornerstone of this foundation that we put into practice is Jesus. And I know, you know, that might be one of the, oh, that's kind of an all dull, duh moment. But believing that Jesus is who he claims to be, that he's Lord, that he's Savior, that he's King, is the impetus behind why we might bother doing anything at all with our faith. And so being reminded of that is pretty important, that God, as our creator, extends his grace and mercy to us through his son to die in our place, to bear the consequences of our sin that separated us from him is, is the inspiration behind our desiring God and wanting to develop our relationship with him. Uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit as our helper and counselor and advocate works in, in and through these five uh, transformative faith practices to guide us into the relationship God desires with us. Um, and so it only makes sense that we start with uh, one of the basic things that helps us to know that, remind us of those things, and knowing and practicing how God contextualizes the relationship that he desires with us, and that's through Bible application. And the reason I don't say Bible reading, because that, a, a lot of times at the beginning of the year we think, oh man, I'm going to start like a one year through the Bible thing, and some of you have version app and you're in a plan, maybe you've already started, started it. And maybe it's already fallen off for you. It's only January 5th. And you're like, oh, man, I still haven't done the reading for today and don't know if I'll get to it. Uh, and, and that kind of thing. The reason I don't just say Bible reading is because Bible reading doesn't really help us very much if we don't actually do what we read in Scripture. Uh, the, it's certainly the first step in knowing what God tells us about who he is and who we are. It includes also, though, who we ought to be and what we ought to do. And in Matthew chapter 7, at the end of one of Jesus' most famous collection of teaching, his Sermon on the Mount, it's obvious that this is a primary concern to him. And so we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Um, this is, uh, Jesus is very clear about the implications of what he says that we should be about and how we should live and what we should do in our lives. Um, he says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. 
The rain came down, the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And Jesus' audience would have been very familiar about what it looks like to try to build a house uh, on sandy soil, like whether or not you would dig through the sandy soil to the bedrock or through the sand in general. I mean, that would be a tough thing to do. And the ignorant or lazy, uninformed builder might think, oh, it's cool, like this sand feels pretty good right now. I can build a house and it can look just identical to my neighbors next to me. But while the outward appearance would suggest that each shared something in common, the storm revealed who was wise and who was not. I've been in a three-story brick and block building uh, during a hurricane where a quarter of the roof was ripped off, and I was like under the section where that happened. And so I've kind of been in that, I know many of you have like been through hurricanes and been through damage and destruction, some of those things. Like I I have a good appreciation for someone not cutting corners when they're building a structure and making sure it has a good foundation and that they follow some of the regulations that come along with, with doing that. And from Jesus, when it comes to practicing his words, uh, he suggests, he states that the difference between wisdom and foolish, foolishness in the aftermath is what we've done leading up to the storm that eventually that we'll be faced with in our lives. And some of you are very familiar with that. You've been through your fair share of storms. Uh, some of you have been through your unfair share of storms in life. Some of you, maybe you haven't been through those things yet. At some point, living in a sin-broken world where not everything is perfect, you're going to be confronted with those things. And maybe if you aren't, somebody around you is going to be. And so knowing this and knowing what we do about this um, makes all the difference in our lives. And one of the beautiful things about the character and nature of God uh, is that even if we've been foolish, and, and we, we all have, we all have been foolish, and everything is flattened around us, our lives can be newly rebuilt. When we become followers of Jesus, uh, we become part of a new creation life, a life that's rooted in God's kingdom and practicing what Jesus preaches and what God preserves in his word enables us to experience that new creation life, that, that rootedness in his kingdom and experience the relationship he desires with us now despite how the storms might be raging around us uh, even in this moment. There's an even greater implication behind wor- Jesus' words though than even in those momentary storms that we face in this life. Um, Storm imagery in the Bible also refers to God's judgment. And ultimately, the concern that Jesus has for us as his followers and what his hearers would have heard at the end of uh, the Sermon on the Mount, this conclusion that Jesus gives, is, is that we would experience his mediation on our behalf when it comes to what we deserve and what God desires to give us, which are two different things. Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 10. He says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Without Jesus' words in practice in our life, we're at risk of spending our time working ourselves up with 
what doesn't matter and doesn't stand up to the test of eternity. And in Luke's gospel, he writes a parallel account to Matthew's, uh, shares the same story that Jesus shares at the end of his Sermon on the Mount. Um, Yet Luke adds and recounts Jesus' poignant opening phrase that draws the issue he's addressing even more sharply into focus. And so in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, he introduces this wise and foolish builder parable uh, with this statement from Jesus. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? This is the very thing that Jesus came to correct that began all the way back in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. God says one thing, we do another. It's the primary cause of the problems that we face this side of heaven. It's why the relationship with ourselves and with God is broken and needs to be redeemed. And not only did God give us the word became flesh and the fully God and fully man person of Jesus, he also gives us his word in the form of scripture, the Bible, to mitigate that very problem. The Bible is God's preserved message of his redemption of and relationship with humanity. And it's transformative for our lives and faith and practice. Now, last year, we did a four-week series called The Bible, and it was about the Bible. And uh, we talked a lot about things about what it is, what it looks like, different sections that are in there. And if you haven't heard that or something that you're interested in, I would encourage you to go back and look and listen uh, to that via our podcast. But one of the many things that we identified in the introduction to that series is this. And this is from the Center for Biblical Engagement, who did a lot of surveys and gathered a lot of data, data to make the statement. The lives of Christians who do not engage the Bible most days of the week are statistically the same as the lives of, unbel- of non-believers. And the further statistics uh, that talk about and show the percentage of Christians who read the Bible with any kind of regularity, those, those statistics are not very encouraging. So when living wise versus foolish lives comes down to doing what our Lord says, knowing should be a priority for us. It should be a part of our desire in drawing closer to who God is because of what he's done. It's a cycle of growth and encouragement and renewal that God desires to share with us. And chances are you struggle to read the Bible regularly. Uh, Most Christians do. Most people do. We have a lot of distractions. We have a lot of things that we get to, uh, to, uh, to engage with. And it's clear through uh, and some of the stats on Google searches that people put in for how to read the Bible and what it looks like, all that kind of stuff. It's clear that there's a desire to engage the Bible, but maybe you don't really know where to start. And so one of the things that we're introducing this year is a tool for our church uh, to help out with that. And so some of you saw, and I know you were picking up and looking at uh, some of the books that were out on the front of, of the welcome table, and it's called Core 52. And one of the things that we're, and we just bought... Uh, a, good, a good number of them to make it easy for you to, uh, to grab a copy of those. I mean, of course, you could buy one online or grab one on your Kindle or something like that. But one of the things that we want to encourage you to do for this year is to pick one of these up and engage with it. Core 52 is written by a, a former college professor and theologian, Mark E. Moore. Um, he is one of the people that I go to for, uh, for my study. Uh, he does a great job of connecting uh, good academic scholarship with practical everyday application uh, for what it looks like to live out our faith. And he's basically gone through uh, the Bible and he's selected 52 core themes throughout Scripture, and that's what this book is based on. And so each week as you go through this, this is for 15 minutes a day, Monday through Friday, and each week as you go through this, you're going to deal with one core theme uh, through, throughout, uh, throughout the Scripture. Um, it's a, basically a 15-minute daily guide to build your Bible IQ in a year. 
And so this is what we've been talking about. One of the ways that you can jumpstart your faith or maybe start it anew is being familiar with who God is, his character and his nature is how he reveals that through his word. Um, and so I, this is a resource for anyone who wants to build confidence with God's word. You're not sure where to start. You're not sure where to go. You're not sure like, uh, what does this mean? And, and what do I, how do I deal with it? Um, think of this book as a primer to biblical literacy, not as a replacement to reading the Bible. Um, much of what you're going to be doing as you go, and if you choose to, to jump on uh, this with us, is you're going to be reading the Bible. Um, and it calls for 15 minutes a day, five days a week for one year. And so this is what uh, a typical week would look like for, for this book. On Monday, you would read one chapter from the Core 52 book. On Tuesday, you would memorize a verse or maybe a couple verses uh, from, uh, from that, uh, that text that you're going to be focused on for that week. On Wednesday, you'd read a couple more chapters from Scripture that deal with that topic or that theme. On Thursday, you would meditate on a few Scripture verses. And on Friday, you'd be challenged to take an action step on that theme, actually put into practice um, what, what that passage is talking about or what that theme is dealing with it throughout Scripture. The truth is that the more of God's Word you know, the more that you'll grow and the more you'll be prepared to weather the storm. Bible engagement is the single greatest predictor of spiritual success. And so I, I just want you to imagine for me, for just, just a second, because it's something that, that I imagine and that I desire and dream and pray for for our church. Can you imagine if our entire congregation all bucked the trend of the statistics in Bible engagement when it comes to Christianity? What if our entire congregation all engaged God's word on a new, on a new level? on a more committed level. Uh, if you want to grow in your faith, then you need to engage the Bible on, on some level. The Bible is a big collection of books, and you may not be sure where to start. And this is just simply another tool, another resource, like others that we've mentioned in the past, to help you with that. And so I want to encourage you um, to, to engage with this. This is something that you can do with your family, certainly something that we want you to do on an individual level. Now, it's 15 minutes, five days a week, uh, and we can do this as a church, church family. Like this, this is something that, that, that is doable for us. And so uh, we have these books out there. Again, you don't have to purchase it here. Uh, we're just asking for a $10 donation, which only covers the cost of the book. That does not put any money in our, uh, in our account here as a church. It simply covers the cost of the book. But of course, you can go on Amazon or um, you know, get, get one on your Kindle or something like that. That's just for ease uh, for, for you to pick up. The other thing that I will say is this. If $10 for a book is a financial hardship, uh, for you, especially, you know, whatever you might be going with, maybe it's tied to one of the storms you're going through in your life. Um, we don't want that to be a barrier for you to uh, have this resource. And so we're happy to give you one for free, um, just like we do with all of our Bibles. Those are always free. And so you can take, if you don't have a Bible for your, uh, of your own, you can take one of those uh, along this with us as well. Um, and here, here's one thing that I'll say, and, and this may sound... Um, a little sexist, but guys, like, don't, don't just be like, oh, I'll share with my wife. It's, it's cool, and I, I don't need my own, because I know how we are. I know sometimes we're like, oh, oh it's cool. I'll just borrow hers when she's not using it or, or, or that kind of thing. Um, you get your own. Like, fellas, I, just step up a little bit, you know, be, be kind of a leader in, in that area. Make sure you have your own. There's places in there you can make your own notes, highlight um, and, uh, and, and this is something that's, that, that could be life-changing and transformative for, for you. Um, 
So I want to encourage you to do that. If you go to velocitychurch.info, we've got some other information on there for you. Some of it's a repeat of some of the things I mentioned, but there's also a website that's tied to this that gives supplemental video resources. You can track your progress. Uh, so there's some other resources that you can sign up. It's all free um, once you have the book and, and can, can be a part of that. So I want to encourage you to go to velocitychurch.info and read more about that. We also want to know if you're, if you're going to jump in with us, we want to know that as a church. We want to see how we're engaging with that. Uh, we'll give you some occasional reminders and encouragement throughout the year uh, through that. Maybe some other things will come along the way as well, but you have to sign up and be a part of it to find that out and, and to be in and be in the know for that. Um, and there are a couple other tools, though, that we've highlighted before I want to mention along with this as well. So we've got the Core 52 book. Um, we've also got the Bible Project that we've mentioned and version as well. The Bible Project is thebibleproject.com. Uh, it has a ton of uh, video resources that will give you an introduction, for example, to each book of the Bible. It'll let you know the, kind of the historical context, what the themes are, what the author's intent is in, in general terms. It also has some resources there to deal with some spiritual concepts, uh, things about like what's the Trinity or who's the Holy Spirit, like th those kinds of things will kind of give you some basic fundamental foundational things for that as well if you, as you come up some things. version is simply an app that you can download on your phone or your tablet. Uh, it has the Bible and a lot of different uh, versions that you can, you can choose and pick from. It also has a lot of different reading plans that you can engage with. And maybe, uh, maybe you've never read through the whole Bible, and maybe that's something that you want to do, and that's something that will send you re reminders. Uh, it would be a great resource for that uh, to jump in as well alongside of this. Knowing more about God ultimately is meant to cause us to be more like him. Because ultimately, like when it comes to creation and what God was accomplishing, is one of the things that he says is, hey, let's, Let's make humanity in our image. Let's have this connection that we make uh, with, with each other and with our, these created beings that, that are a reflection of the character and nature of who we are. And so one of the things that happens to us when we engage more and more with, with who God is through, through his words that we become more and more like him. And, and that's, that's one of the desires that he builds in to us as, as his creation. And so I want to close with this thought from James. It's from James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25, and here's what he writes. He says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what, he sa what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And so my encouragement and, and challenge for us as a church and as individuals is, is, is this. May the knowledge of Jesus and what he has done for us inspire you and inspire me to become the people God desires to be in relationship with. Let me pray for us as a church as we consider uh, how this might jumpstart our faith. God, um, we thank you for who Jesus is and what he means uh, to us. And God, we thank you for uh, the fact that you provide us with this resource to um, gain more insight into, into who you are. And, and not just that it's a knowledge-building exercise for us, but, but that also helps us to see how we're meant to reflect 
your love and your joy and your peace and your patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That, that not only do um, we get to be thankful and grateful for the salvation you provide, but that we also get to experience a, a, a glimpse, a taste of the life that you have created for us for an eternity. God, we praise you for that. We ask for guidance from your Holy Spirit in, in how we live that out and how we see the circumstances that we uh, come up against, the, the events, the people maybe that we have to deal with, and, and how maybe sometimes that, that makes, us, it makes it a struggle to, to deal with these fundamental transformative faith practices that we know uh, need to be a part of our lives. God, we thank you uh, for your wisdom in, in putting us together with other followers of Jesus so that we can encourage each other, that we can strengthen each other and in, uh, along the way. God, we thank you for all of this and we praise you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.